Hang on to God's Word. All else is darkness. It really is. What a night we had, and I'm not going to get into all those ugly details. But I'm thinking about this message that I had signed, sealed, and delivered. It was, it was awesome because I had no time. Usually I go back on Saturday, but and I did go back on Saturday earlier and had it all printed off and ready to go. And then we went into this weird night, and um, this whole message... I lived it last night. I mean, it was just crazy, absolutely crazy. And I believe a lot of you are living this, probably every one of you. Every one of you. How many realize that, man, we can't figure out God? And we're like, God, i got this great plan. I'm just going to go this way and then that way and this way. And God says, you know what, you're going to go that way. And you're going, what? No, God. God, this can't be right. And guess what? It's right. It's always right. And you got to walk by faith. Absolute by faith. You start walking by your understanding, you're wrong. You're wrong. You've messed up. Okay. Proverbs 3 5. Let's just simply look at this scripture. Most of you probably know it. We're going to look at it in King James, and then I have a different translation which I don't think I gave them. So, scripture to live by right here. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, not your head. With all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding, the word of God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, your center, your core, your being, and lean not unto thy own understanding. That word lean means don't trust in your ability to understand things. Don't trust in your way of reasoning, looking at things and saying, well, this must be. Don't trust in that. It also means don't let that support yourself, all your decision-making, everything that's facing you, everything that's screaming at you. Don't understand your ability, God says. Don't even lean on it, because it will not support you. The Amplified Version, which is just one that kind of spreads out the words a little bit, says this. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mine. How many realize the battles in the mind? And then it goes on and says, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Don't rely on it. I don't care how smart you think you are. In fact, you're the ones that are probably in the most dangerous spot relying on your own intellect. God says, don't do it. Don't do it. I know we should realize how strong the Word of God is and how powerful it is and how of a necessity it is, but we really don't. Last night, I was sitting in this uh, big waiting room as they were doing things to Aunt Mary that I couldn't be in the room, and I got all these things running through my mind, like, what am I going to do? I mean, my aunt's going to be 89 in August. My mother, who's trying to take care of her, you know, will be 87 in April, and this is just not working out anymore, and I'm going, God, I don't have a clue what to do. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And I'm sitting out there because I had a headache, and it was kind of claustrophobic in my aunt's room, and I'm just like, what should I do, God? And I went to my um, cell phone where I can get the emails, and the person who does the daily devotion sends me them first, and I mean, I, I read them. I mean, I, I need them. And in that one little email that I got, sitting there having no clue what to do, just read the first portion of the scripture, and it might not be quite the way it was, but it said, God said, I will be your light in your darkness. And I'm like, okay, God, I can do this. That's a little sidebar. But I'm telling you, that's what God will do for you and I. 
When you're sitting in situations, you're like overwhelmed. What on earth, God? God simply told me in kind of my way, translation, like Ed said Wednesday, relax. I will show you what to do. And he will. And he will. Now, God tells us through the Word of God right here over and over not to lean on our own understanding. Now, I hope you understand what we're talking about. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that we can't make decisions without God. We just can't. The Bible tells us it's not within you to know what to do. You must have the Spirit of God. Now, I hope you realize that God has given you some intelligence, but not to live independent of Him. You don't have to seek God, I should hope not, how to change a light bulb. I mean, you have some ability to be able to think. You don't have to say, I can't lean on my understanding. Now, don't be silly. We're talking about these big things, things that we need the guidance from Almighty God from. And so God tells us over and over. Now, maybe you're having difficulty believing, but this is what he says. Don't lean on it. Don't trust your own ability. And you might be sitting out there, well, why is that? Well, because Isaiah 55, 8 answers that question. Now, listen, this is Almighty God. This is not just some smart person talking to you. Almighty God says, here's why. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. He goes on and says, neither are your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. And that word Lord is all capitalized for a reason. That word means Jehovah. It means the existing one is saying this to you. The existing one, the all-knowing one, the all-powerful one says, listen up. You can't do this without me. You need me. God has never intended for you to live independent of him. Never, ever. Yet we try. And that's why we're always in a mess. Because we're always leaning under our own understanding, our own intellect. This is what a life should be. This is what I want to do in life. This is the dude I want to marry. This is the girl I want to marry. This is... No, no, no. God says, don't even do it because my ways are not your ways. Verse 9 goes and even even compares it, gives us something to parallel with. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. You ever do that? Some starlit night. Go outside and just look up. As you're here on this plain earth and somewhere in the heavenlies is almighty God. God's saying, that's how far our thoughts are different. That's how far. Remember, a few weeks ago I said, if you think you ought to do this, do the opposite. Because that's the way it is. I mean, it's just we are so far from understanding. This verse is an absolute reminder of the distance and difference between God and man. He don't think alike. None whatsoever. And so God has given us this, his compass, his guide, his book, the owner's manual, to know what to do when we don't know what to do. And really, you never really know what to do. Without God, you just don't. You just can't. And so God tells us over and over, don't lean. Now, here's a scripture I was pondering last night as I was standing in a puddle of blood, huge puddle of blood. Romans 8:28 says this, and we know that all things work together for good. My own understanding's going, that's crazy. That's impossible. But the spirit person is, I'm going to believe my God. I'm going to believe him no matter what my eyes see. And my eye was seeing horrific things last night. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And I love God. And my aunt loves God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Turn off your own understandings. 
Carol had no clue what I'm going to preach about, and she's already coming against the yeah buts because they're screaming in your head right now, yeah, but you don't know this. I don't, but God does. And so turn all those yeah buts off. God is sovereign. He has the sovereignty of everything and his ability to manage every aspect of your lives. Every aspect. He's never caught off guard with what's going on in your life. He will somehow bring whatever horrible circumstance that you're going through, and he'll bring it out to further you, to make you better, and to glorify him. It's awesome how he can do it. Just absolutely beyond him. You have to trust him by faith. We love taking control. We love it. Remember I tell you you got a bumper sticker on your car that says, God's my co-pilot? What are you supposed to do? Scrape it off. You're going to have almighty, all-knowing God said, I'd like you to go. Will you just sit there and let me drive? Get out, get in the back seat. In fact, get in the trunk and let God drive. Let him take you where he wants to go. How many of you reading the book, Heinz Feet? How many of you can say you're much afraid? Yeah, well, let him do it. Let God take control of your life. Look, we're going to face sufferings. That's the way it is. We're going, to, we're going to walk through them in this present time. God even has the ability to even make those sufferings work together for good. You don't, but God will. We'll get bitter over them. Some will get angry at God. Don't do that. Don't. He's your only life savior, your only hope. Don't get mad at that. Romans 8:18 tells us this about suffering. <clears throat> for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's God says, I will take this suffering and I will mold it into something awesome and beautiful in you if you just trust me. See, the American Christian wants to lean on their own understanding and saying serving God means no suffering, everything's wonderful, everybody loves everybody. Well, you've got to go to church for about an hour to figure out that's not true. It's not true. Remember, I told you for years, and I'll tell you again today, if you think this church is perfect, you ruin it by coming here. It's the truth. I ruined it when I started it. If I had a church of one, it's not going to be perfect. It's messed up because we are just messed up. But you know what? God says, and we know in that Romans, there are things that you are to know. There are some things. And God, I'm going to just give you a few. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says this, For we know, you're to know this, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When this fleshly house wears down, and it is, and it's dissolved through death, dust, back to dust, God says, don't worry about it. You should know I have another body for you. And I'm saying, amen, I do know that. Thank you for that, Lord. Job tells us this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. You know that no matter what you're going through, no matter how low the valley gets, and man, sometimes they can get pretty low. But Job says, I know, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I don't care what the voices are screaming, what I feel like, what my senses are saying, how low I got to go, how long it is, I know. That my Redeemer liveth. Make sure you know that spit in the enemy's eye. 
Let him know. You can do this to me. You can scream that to me. You can torment me. But let me tell you something. I know my Redeemer liveth. Spit in his eye. You understand? You are in a fight, right? You are in a war. You understand the enemy hates your guts. He doesn't think you're cold, nice. He hates you. Literally hates you. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.12 tells us this. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Listen, if you're just coming to church because you think it's a cool thing, it's a good thing, it's kind of a moral thing, makes you feel good, when the trials come, you're going to just be swept away. You've got to absolutely know whom you believe. Whom you believe. Raw, blind faith is how you are to walk and trust in God. So the Bible tells us we are to know these things, and you should. Okay. Actually, if you can understand that verse, truly understand that verse, and we know that all things work together for good, that's a beautiful verse that sustains you, man. It can sustain you. I'm looking at my poor little aunt. It's like my second mother. do not even look like my aunt. And I'm thinking, okay, all things, all things that will sustain me through this. It will keep me through this, knowing God didn't cause it, but God will take this situation. He'll figure it out. He'll work it out. He'll do something in me. He'll do something in my hand. He'll do something in my mother. He'll do something. He'll do something. So that's what this scripture tells me. All things, no matter what. Life in PA for us was difficult. Before we moved here, which was 25 years ago, but the loss of the job, the uh, insurmountable debt from having uh, small children, four small children, the pressure, uh, just the stress and everything, even the shame of not being able to find work, knowing I should be working. God, I'm supposed to be a man of God. I can't even. What's going on? God says absolutely all things, everything, even when I couldn't believe it anymore. You know, sometimes you just fail. You just can't grasp the Word of God. It looks like this to you through pressure, through stress, through trials that seem to go on and on and on. Even when you can't believe it, it's still true. All things. Now, who remembers Joseph, one of the sons, and what he went through? I mean, he went through some awesome things. And what did God tell him at the end of all this? Genesis 50, verse 20 simply says this. But as for you, he goes, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Whether the enemy or even people who don't like you do things that cause you to go through, plunge you into some horrible trial, God will say, look, the enemy or they thought it for evil, but I'm going to use it for good. You have to believe this, and then you'll be able to walk through it. Now look, Psalms 137.1 says this, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. This is the people of God. Okay, They have been invaded, I believe it was by Nebuchadnezzar. He, he destroyed their city. He's taken them all to captive, uh, captivity. He's taken them out of their country. He's taken them to a foreign land. Everything is destroyed. The temple's destroyed. Their government's destroyed. Their ev- president's been overthrown. Everything is ruined. And the people of God says, we're sitting by this river, Babylon. There we sat down. All we could do was weep and cry when we remembered the way it was. 
And then it goes on and says, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. Meaning, they didn't even want to worship God. Couldn't even serve God through worship and praise. Had no spit left in them. Had no strength left in them. So demoralized, so beaten. They said, man, we even go walk around, unplug all the instruments, move them away, push them, put a black cloth over them, and we don't even want to hear the music. That's the way they were. Verse 3 says, For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us, do you ever feel wasted? Required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. And their answer was, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Totally defeated, could not even sing any more songs to God. And praise God, who's always worthy to be praised. They couldn't. They had no more left in them. Beat down so bad. All they could do was weep. They're in a strange land, and that's weird. Some of you probably, maybe it's your first time here, you feel a little weird. What's going on? Why do they raise hands? Why do they sing that fast song? You just feel weird. Well, they're in a strange land, a great distance from their own country, and they were brought into this other country as prisoners of war to be slaves. Maybe they were chained all the way on a big, long rope, walked with a ball, I don't know what it was, but that's how they were carried away. All they could do was cry. You ever been there? All you could do is just cry. Okay, Jeremiah 24 says this. Jeremiah says, The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away the captives. The captive Jeconiah, the son of uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah, with the carpenters, smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. So here they are, removed, prisoners of war, weeping, crying, no more praise and worshiping God. God shows Jeremiah the prophet this vision. He sees two baskets of figs. Verse 2 goes, one basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. So you got this great looking group of figs, and you got this rotten bag, a basket full of figs. Verse 3 says, then said the Lord unto me, what seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, figs, the good figs, very good. The evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs. Now listen, this is the word of God today for you. Listen, God's not going to come and just wave a magic wand and everything's wonderful. He could, but he doesn't. He's not an enabler like most of us parents are. God wants you to become a strong child of God. And God will not enable or not remove you from every little hardship. Or not say, if you don't stop crying when I count to five, and you count to five seven times, and you still, God won't do that. He's a heavenly father. He's wonderful, perfect. And so God wants, likes to, to deal with his children for good, even when others meant it for evil to you. Whether it's the enemy or people. Either way. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Verse 5, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place, even to the land of the Chaldeans, for 
their good. Whatever land that you are in, and for whatever reason God has stirred it up and pushed you out by faith, you believe that it's for your good. No matter what you're feeling, no matter the words that you're wrestling in your heart, my, what's good going to come out of this? How can anything good? Look at my hand. I can't believe this would happen. What's the odds that she would fall and hit this little pain? The Bible says this is going on in your life for your good. Our thinking, Christmas comes, you get 33 presents. This is for my good. I'm happy. God says, look, I don't think your way. I use deep trials sometimes. I use things that people do to you or the enemy does to you for your good. You get 33 presents this year, you better get 34 next year. It's just the way it is. That's how we are. We cannot trust our way of thinking. You must trust God's way of thinking. Even difficult suffering times, especially difficult suffering times, to believe God. In fact, in those unbelievable difficult times, usually is when you hear God the most. Not when you got 33. You can't hear him over the rapping of the press. Oh, this is what I always wanted. Oh, this is what I always wanted. Oh, this is what I always wanted. God's going, Joe, Joe, ooh, ooh, wonderful, wonderful. When everything's horrible and you're heartbroken and you're sick and you're weeping and you hear, Joe, yes, anything, tell me. The way we are, nobody in this room, you'll be fibbing if you say you got saved because life was wonderful, bills were paid, marriage is wonderful, children was wonderful, everything's wonderful, I'm wonderful. Guess what? I think I'll get saved. No, it comes when you hit rock bottom. Some of you even comes below rock bottom. And you turn to God. It's the way it is. Sad, but the way it is. And so God says, all right, I'm telling you something. Do you understand? Nothing happens without the hand of God in it. Nothing. These people weren't serving God very good. The enemy came in, destroyed their lives, destroyed their way of life, turned it upside down, inside out, every which way found themselves prisoners of war, marching off to some camp, weeping and crying, having no desire to worship God. Some were probably mad at God, saying, I'll never again will I ever. And what did God say to them? Them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans, this is for your good. Verse 6 says, For I will set my eye upon them for good. They're weaving and crying. Nothing is everything. I don't want to hear them. Leave me alone. God said, I'll set my eye on you for good. Do you just believe your way of thinking? No. Let everything be wonderful. Everything be rosy. No pain, no suffering. And I will serve you. You know life's not that way. It's not. I don't know. A month or two from now, the, the leaves will be out. I'll sit on my rocker on the front porch. Be a sweet breeze. I'll hear birds that we haven't heard for like eight months, seems like. We'll see the sun. Someone on Facebook said, what is that glowing thing in the sky? My mortgage will be paid on time. Ruth will have made a nice dinner. The mail came, no bills. And I'll sit there and say, couldn't it just stay like this? You know, life doesn't. The next day you can go there and it could be three letters from the IRS. It just doesn't, does it? It just doesn't. That's the way life is. It's the way it is. God says, I will set my eye upon you for good. You have to believe that no matter how deep, 
how low you are if you're just attempting to serve God, no matter how much you stumble and bumble around with God, you just simply trust Him. God said, believe me, my eye is on you for good. And you just have to go, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe you, God. And He will. He will take care of you. Remember, your ways aren't our ways. Aren't you glad that God doesn't raise His children like most of us raise our children? Man, isn't it the truth? Now look what he says. I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. Remember a few messages ago we preached, I'm telling you, humble yourself. Don't wait till God humbles you. Humble yourself. And they didn't. They kept running their nation, moving further and further from God like ours is, like we do individually. And then God humbles you somehow. And then God, listen, he just doesn't leave you there and laugh at you. It's not what he, he said, no, I'm telling you, this is for your good. And I will bring you back to the land that the enemy told you, get out. I will bring you back to that land. Your job is to believe him until that happens. He goes, I will bring them again to this land. I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them out. Listen to this one. In verse 7 it says, and I will give them an heart to know me. That's, that's where we're at. In times of ease, in times of swinging on the hammock with the lemonade, we're not deep into God. Not at all. Life's great. Birds, everything's wonderful. All of a sudden, someone grabs the hammock, some situation, somebody doesn't like you, whatever, lost a job. Up goes the hammock, down you go, lemonade's thrown all over the place. Life is what? And God says, now you're paying attention to me. I will bring you back. I will get rid of the things that you refuse to get rid of. And as I bring you back, I will give you a heart to know me. I told you before, to those who've been here a while, I was drunk when I got saved. That's the path I was going down. I mean, I actually prayed to get born again being drunk. And God gave me a heart to know him. It says, for I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. This way, they're, God, they'll finally listen to God. When they get delivered and brought back and place their feet upon the rock, God gives them a heart. It'll be their whole heart they'll serve God, a whole heart. You cannot forget who's in charge of your life. You are not in charge of it. If you are, then God's got some pulling down and some plucking out to do. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which has given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, listen, Hebrews 13 says, Make you perfect, this is God's will, in every good work to do his will. His will. You understand, your your job is to do God's will. And God's already told you, your will and my will doesn't line up. This is why the Bible asks you, God asks you to surrender your life, to give your life up, to serve God. God tells you it's not in you to make decisions. It's just not. Let me and my owner's manual make them for you. Ephesians 1.5 tells us, having predestined or meaning decided beforehand, having predestined or decided beforehand us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. His will, not your will. If you are truly born again, remember we talked about the slave Gomer standing on the auction block and all the world wanting to ravish her and take her. We're bidding on her. $3, $4, $5. And the Lord came and bought her back with his blood. 
And God says to you, you're mine now. I bought you. So you can't do your will. You want to do your will? Then you could be with the thousands that have died since I started preaching who have ended up going to hell because of going their own way and not God's way. 6,000 die an hour lost, lost. No matter what you're going through, no matter how big the devastation, no matter what has crumbled, no matter how many has meant it for evil, God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of this, and I'm going to bring it for good. Will you believe God? 